one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Open your hearts. Loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situationships and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. Andy. Yes. How you doing, girl? Well, we are coming to you on a rainy afternoon in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm, It is... it is grim. <laughs> the weather's grim. The-, I, the world is grim, but we are, we are, we are finding the joy. <laughs> you couldn't even bring it home. All he had in his head was grim. And I said, you want to just give us an up note, sis? You know what? It- we are, we're like one of those claw machines with the toys. Uh-huh. And we're, we're searching for the one fun thing in the, okay. in the claw. You know, it's all just like cheap watches. But there's one, you know, there's a snaggle puss. There's a snaggle. What's the character from Hanna-Barbera? There's one little cartoon. I don't know what you're... Because when you say snaggle... Exit stage right. That See, guy. I don't know who that is. I, I'm thinking... When you when I hear snaggle puss, what I was thinking of snuffle up against. You know, and I'm like, Andy, do you want to record this intro later, girl? <laughs> you are so tight. It is... You know those rainy days, y'all? Like It is like snaggle puss. Look, he's, he's a purple... He's a purple... A purple pink panther looking yeah. situation is what he looks like, you guys, if you know. When I hear Snagglepuss, I think Snuffleupagus. And that's also the vibe as well. Snuffleupagus, he, you know, he was weary. He was broke down. He didn't have a lot of time, okay? He was just, I feel like Snuffleupagus, when it came to Sesame Street, he was just already there, and they built Sesame Street around him. Do you know what I mean? He was like, well, I live here. I ain't gonna move. <laughs> and that's his whole energy while everybody else is hanging out, you know? I think him and Oscar the Grouch were really good friends. And but no I one else can see him. No one else but Big Bird can see him. Is that true? I, don't I thought really that was the whole. I thought that was his whole deal. That everyone thought that he was just Big Bird's imaginary friend. And he's like, no, I'm real. Wow, that's heartbreaking for him. <laughs> no one can see him. I don't remember that canon. I really don't. I remember the characters of Sesame Street, but not their backstories. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just imagine Sesame, Sesame Street for me is a is a space that was gentrified. 
and these characters were there and big bird is like the person who's like gentrification will be good for the community we'll get a coffee shop and oscar's the one who's like get the fuck out of here this my house you don't raise the prices you know what i'm saying that's how i feel snuffleupagus was like well as long as my unit stay rent controlled i guess i'm gonna stay that's how I feel about, that's like what I know of yeah. Sesame Street. Oscar's okay. like, what, I have to pay $500 now for my garbage can? Well, I think, no, I think they raised it up, so that's why he got in the garbage can. He's uh, like, oh, I ain't paying that, but you ain't kicking, but I'm going to stay in my hood. I see. So he moved to the garbage can. I you see. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why he mad. That's why he grabbed <laughs> Sure. Two. Absolutely. Why wouldn't he be? I relate. Hey, if any uh, producers are hearing this, <laughs> want a reboot of Sesame Street called Gentrifier Street. Well, isn't that, like, what is that thing where it was... After oh yeah, after Barbie, it was like, what else can we reboot and make it seem like it's like gritty or hip or cool? You know, I don't know, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts. That's all I'm saying. Jim Henson's son, are you listening? <laughs> Jim Henson's son, are you listening? PBS, or I guess it's HBO now. That I think that's. Do you? If we can pinpoint like a <laughs> like a, just a moment where the wheels came off of society's car. No, it is when. <laughs> no. HBO no. bought Sesame Street and moved it from. P- I think it's still on PBS, but there's like a delay or something. Like you see it first on HBO or Max or whatever the fuck it is, and then like ten years later, you see it on <laughs> on PBS. Oh, Andy, that's when the wheels came off. That's way too late. That's way too late to be accurate. But um, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. I know. Give the children Sesame Street. Give the children. Does anyone remember a cartoon, not cartoon, but it was a show called Zoobly Zoo. Where yeah, everyone like, remembers it. The, the Denverine? Yes. Zoobly Zoo, every now and then it pops into my head like a fever dream because it was actually pretty terrifying looking. Like they were scary looking. They were scary looking. And sometimes I'd be watching it and I was like, does everyone know about this? Is this on everybody's television? Did you ever feel that way about Zoobly Zoo? Because it was weird and it was like the background was always... It was almost like they were in a giant white room, right? That they would sometimes like populate with items. The point is it was very spare. And so it had this sense of like, is this legal? Is this Wait, real? What? what do you mean is this legal? <laughs> like it just felt, I don't know. It just felt like somebody opened the door of a warehouse and then put a tree cut out. And like you mean Ben Vereen dressed as a bird. Like Ben Vereen and a bunch of cameras like snuck in there and they <laughs> stole the shot from like, <laughs> you know, a, a warehouse where they're like just shipping out art or guns or something, yes. you know, something from Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, Andrew, exactly. That's what it felt like. It had this air of like, like every shot we're doing this on the fly. Like if if they let the shot go a little longer, you would hear a guy go, "Hey, what are you doing here?" Exactly, exactly. And Ben Vereen, you know, he's he's getting a good paycheck for this, and he said, "Sure, I'll do it. I'll do anything for the children." Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he knew how undercover the whole thing was. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't I would never say Ben Vereen was complicit, but I do think that he was taken advantage of. That's my theory. <laughs> so, OK, <laughs> even though when it, I, I've, now, I've never actually seen Zoobly Zoo. I've just seen someone put the theme song online, the credits online somewhere. Uh-huh. So I, I know about it. But Ben Vereen in his middle age, I think. Oh, was yeah. When he was doing it. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. You are you're saying that someone was elder abusing him. <laughs> In his middle age. Absolutely. To get him to play a bird in a children's show. Yes. Like they would have him. They're like, your call time is at the back door. Meanwhile, there is a full on guard at like the front door and they're sneaking around the side. And they said, Ben Vereen, meet us at this door. Okay. And he doesn't know. <laughs> it just, I'm telling you, like something about Zubli Zoo felt very janky. Ben Vereen, if you are listening. <laughs> ben Vereen's son. 
If you're with Jim Henson, son, and you're <laughs> yeah. listening, will you please let us know? I love the idea that that if you work in Hollywood and you're a Nepo baby, yeah. you have to do what your parents did. There's no other choice. You have to do the same roles as them that they once did. If you, no matter what, like, like whoever you are, like, let's say... I can't think of someone who's not someone we might know or might run into. So I'm like, I'm. We never leave the house, so that's pretty bold. But no, no, no I understand. But you, you know, know what I mean? Never name names. Never like name names. Six degrees of separation. We six are six degrees of nepo baby. Yeah. We are one degree from many. So that's why I'm like, uh, let's pick someone. Now we pick Orson Welles' child. That's easy. All sure, right. Sure, sure. We'll, I don't. I don't know if he has kids or if they work in film. But Orson, like Orson Welles' kid, has to do like Rosebud, the reimagining, or something like that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Rosebud, the reimagining. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> I don't. I don't like this one. You know, he anything is an idea, which is true, I guess. Anything in your mind is an idea, but should it all be brought to the fore? Absolutely not. Come Absolutely on. not. They're doing a Wizard of Oz reboot. Why not a and they not the Wiz? Yeah, not the Wiz. Oh God, stop! So it, why not Citizen Kane? Why not everything? Why not everything? Who needs new ideas? Well, you know, we now have a future. <laughs> anyway, that's a that's a real answer. All right, the, the claws coming down, <laughs> the claws coming down on like a plastic ring in a little little plastic bubble thing. Nope, we're looking for the 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 one stuffed animal. Yep, Snagglepuss. Ah. Uh. We're going to find it. Wait, <laughs> we'll find it at some point. We have an update, Naomi. We do. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the claw going down around Snagglepuss. We have an update. Do you remember in the, the first episode of the year? It was just you and me. Of course. We answered a ton of advice questions, and one of them- ton is a strong word, but sure. We answered- <laughs> Some. Some. <laughs> we answered a metric ton <laughs> of questions, and one of them was about a woman who- she had gotten out of a relationship. A man she was infatuated with had gotten out of a relationship. Yes, they yes, were, yes. They improvisers. were improvisers. improvisers. Yes, oh, no, and they I remember. were. I remember. You know, sometimes I wake up in a cold sweat thinking about it. You think I've never forgotten that? It was different levels of unrequited at different times, and it was you know. And he was not there yet. He was not ready. He was living at home. He wasn't feeling a hundred percent. But they friends. But should she try to make something happen or make a move and see? You know. Yes. So okay. she called in with an update. Thank God. Hey, Naomi and Andy and special guests. This is anonymous improviser who was in love with Tom. I'm back with an update. Um, Tom and I are still friends. I never made a move. I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for him to profess his love to me. And um, it has not happened. <laughs> but I have proceeded to move on. I've proceeded to date other emotionally unavailable men. and. Um, you know, we're just we're just trucking along. But I loved all the advice. I'm I'm following all that advice now. I'm not like dealing with the bullshit. If you tell me you're not available, you're not available, and moving on to the next person who will fall in love with me. So um, thank you so much. I am an improviser in therapy, so hopefully someone <laughs> will come along. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye. Okay. Yes. First of all, that makes me feel good. I want more updates of people who have done the things I suggested they do, whether they even did it before or after I told them to. Sure. I do. So you guys, you got to keep these follow-ups coming because that felt good. Doesn't that feel good, Andy? That, yes. That we even maybe retroactively help someone. Exactly. Exactly. And also, 
this is what we're saying. You can't be waiting around for these times. You can't be waiting for these times, okay? When the times say he unavailable, Tom is unavailable. Tom's unavailable. Don't be trying to do more with Tom. Yeah. Move on, like like our caller said, move on to the next emotionally unavailable person. <laughs> I know. And eventually, know. maybe it's just moving on from a, a one emotionally unavailable guy to the next, but the next one is slightly less emotionally unavailable. Absolutely. And then eventually you get to someone who is emotionally neutral, and then you'll move <laughs> into the emotionally available spectrum. Well, sure. Yeah, emotional availability is a spectrum. <laughs> That is true. And that's possible. There's also, too, right, the difference of, like, you know, when someone's, like, emotionally unavailable, do they seem that way at first, and then you kind of go out and then realize, like, they are, like, because I think some people, a lot of people seem open, and then you get to know them and go, oh, they've got the walls up, right? That's different than the person who says off the bat, I'm not emotionally available. So I think it's actually a step in the right direction when you get with someone where, like, oh, this person is, like, interested in me and is, you know, being upfront about that go on some dates, get to know them, but then you're like, oh, actually, they're still kind of closed off. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's starting off with them being like, hey, I like you. You want to get a malted? And that's already better than the Tom Sitch. Yeah. You yeah. know? What because we- you deserve, Anonymous deserves the world. Yeah. What we're just watching where, like, it's so funny how, it, maybe it's just that I've been in therapy for so long at this point, but like when we watch shows, and I'm like, oh, that character's emotionally unavailable. Oh, that character's emotionally unavailable. Oh, that, I mean, maybe it's Reacher. I don't know. Yeah, Reacher. I was like, what were you what we were watching? We were watching Reacher. Okay, we're watching two things in this house. Sort of and Reacher. And that's a binary. <laughs> in, in a way. Sort of is back. The two genders, sort of and Reacher. <laughs> By the way, I think Reacher should be in every show. I think Alan Richson should play Reacher <laughs> in every single television show. Just show up. Yeah. And be hulking. Yes. Just grab someone, throw them out a window. <laughs> and then let the story progress from there. And then just there. let the story go on from there. I don't care what it is. I don't care. The Friends reunion. Yeah. <laughs> just Alan Richard is there. Throwing. As Reacher, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reacher. So, so. All- yeah, Reacher throws Courtney Cox <laughs> across <laughs> out of a window. It <laughs> just walks off. Right. Leaves. Yeah. No matter what. I, I would love to see a sort of slash Reacher crossover. Absolutely not, actually. <laughs> what? Abs- no, the never, the never the twain shall meet. Mm-mm. Because they're perfect worlds on their own, and I can't have them like. But just no think, one can enter either world. How sarcastic Bilal is versus how kind of like low key Reacher is. That would be fun to watch. Them that talk. would be true. That would be true because Reacher would be like assumptions kill, and then Bilal <laughs> would be like, okay. <laughs> like, and it would just be like really funny watching them both. Producers, All right, I my mind. No, CBC no. producers, Amazon producers, if you are listening, <laughs> we need this to be made. We'll write it, okay? Yeah, we'll write it. You can pay us WGA scale. <laughs> yeah, the new the new rates, okay? We struck. Okay? Took and be started. Andy, yes. let's plug some stuff. We got some okay. stuff. Some okay. big stuff. Andy, you got some big moves, boo-boo. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about you, boo-boo. Hey, coming up this Friday, Ooh. it's the 14th anniversary of Beginnings, my other podcast. 14 years, January 26, 2010. Andy has been with this podcast longer than me. Okay. True, by so a couple months. A couple months. So this Beginnings, 14th anniversary. Um, You know, I just want to say, and I say this a lot, too. It's like you've put so much into Beginnings. You get such great guests, you know. You've just stuck with it for so long, and it's just a thing you do for the joy of doing it. Yes. And 
you've gotten to talk to so many great people and you know as the person who's on in the house you know and when you kind of come out of an interview where I can tell when it's been a good one I can tell when it's been energizing I can tell when there's been a connection I'm just so impressed by you and the work you do for beginnings and I would love to know who this 14th anniversary guest is and that's really just me teeing you up to tell the listener (laughs) why Jonathan Lethem one of my favorite authors is on and uh, we had a great talk so I'm very excited about this I love that I love a great talk so so that's Friday. That's Friday. That'll drop um, Friday. You know, wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you get your podcast from, I would love to plug a show, but I ain't leaving the house. I gotta, I gotta start leaving the house again, man, and doing shows. I just haven't really been. Um, well, you got a Netflix festival show coming up. Well, that's what I. But it's funny. I was like, gonna talk about the Netflix festival, but my like graphic hasn't gone out yet. So I was like, is it still happening? Because y'all, let me tell you this. They got me doing a show on a Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Now, y'all, if you listen to this, you know my ass like to be in bed at 10. You know I said this is rude. <laughs> I said y'all didn't set me up for success. A weeknight in Los Angeles at 10 p.m.? Ma'am. So. It will be your first show in, like, months, so. Maybe, but I said, you know what I'm calling it? I'm calling it, like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, the movie's House Party. But I'm going to call it a pajama jammy jam, okay? I will be in PJs, no joke. I would love my audience to be in masks and PJs. Hopefully by then I will have my far UVC light. Okay. <laughs> the large light creating a are clean gonna, airspace. Are you going to have a high top fade? Maybe I'll even get a high top fade. Oh my God. If I can find a high top fade wig, <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> so maybe I'll do that. But um, that's in May. So I hadn't really started beating the drum, but then they also haven't put the graphic out either way. The point is that's maybe, be happening but it is if it happens if it does happen and it's wednesday at 10 p.m y'all just come in your nightcaps come in your head wraps okay come, yeah come with your candlesticks come with your candlesticks <laughs> absolutely i want sleep dresses candlesticks and nightcaps but we have a friend friend, friend of the show friend in real life friend Zach in real life noe towers is doing two shows in Philadelphia and New York City, right, Naomi? Yes, and these are our stomping grounds. You know what I mean? So we were like, we got to tell the people. And if you heard Zach on the pod, um, if you like Zach, Zach is doing live shows of his podcast, Confidently Insecure, in New York, February 6th at City Winery, in Philly, February 7th at City Winery. So both City Wineries, New York and Philly, February 6th and 7th, Get them tickets. Show up for Zach. You know Zach is a real one. So funny. The show's going to be so fun. Confidently Insecure, which is his podcast with Kelsey Dara. It is going to be a really good time. So you better I'll put check a it out. link in the show notes. Andy's going to put a link in the show notes. That's how much we care. That's how much we care. That's how much we love Zach. That's how real it is. You know who else we love, Naomi? I was going to say, speaking of how real it is. Today's guest. Okay, this? This was a banger. This was beautiful. Because... You, you and I both were like fans of him and his work, right? Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take the leap. I'm just gonna take the leap and just like send a DM and just see if maybe. But this is our first time, you know. Obviously, doing the pop was like having a conversation, and it was beautiful. Mm. It was beautiful. Under the assignment, you've already heard his dulcet tones, the wonderful, the iconic. Corey Michael Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know Corey. Okay. Because Corey is out here. Corey is doing the work. Corey's booked, busy, blessed, and gifted. You've seen him on Gotham. Mm-hmm. You've seen him on Transatlantic on mm-hmm. Netflix. You've seen him in May, December. Mm-hmm. He is so good in May, December, honey. We <laughs> watch May, December. He's incredible. Incredible in the movie Carol. But May, December is, you know, the new hotness. Transatlantic just came out last year. So it's like, 
Oh, such good, such good roles, such good stories. And quite honestly, Corey did not disappoint when we sat down to talk to him. So without further ado, roll it. Corey, we're here. So many technical difficulties are, and this is the first episode we've recorded in weeks. I know. Wow. It's like of 2024. Overjoyed. Overjoyed to have you on the show. We're such fans. We're such fans. I'm honored that you appreciate a Trader Joe's rant. I do think about that from time to time, about how you have like no idea the visual of how full that fridge was. You know what I mean? Because it was like one of those pandemic trips where you were like- That was, of course, we talked about this before we started recording. Oh, I thought you were just going to splice it up in there. Nope. <laughs> Well, all right. I think so, you go splice it up. Corey. Okay, well, I'll, I'll catch the people up. I was just I was just fawning over Naomi because one of the uh, greatest medicines for me during the pandemic was this rant. I will call it a rant again. It was a rant that Naomi did uh, about her and Andy going to Trader Joe's and what a production it was. And then they get home. The refrigerator door is barely shutting. You know, that's just yeah. that's how it went. You're shopping for weeks, months, yep. maybe. Yep. And uh, and then their power went out. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that shit was so funny. You know what the, the the line that killed me every single time? Cause I did watch this and I kid you not tens, if not, if not close to a hundred times, uh, it's that is milk from a nut. It's already on borrowed time. That shit drove me crazy. That's a good line. That's a good line. Thank you so much. That's how I feel about anything plant-based nut base that's not natural do you know what i mean like and i i eat a, eat a lot of that stuff where i'm always like i'm like okay this is cheese made from a cashew it's already struggling mm-hmm. it's struggling naturally because it's doing something that it shouldn't be doing right we ask yeah. a lot of this nut and we, so <laughs> you just have to be careful right it's like you pushed something into like uh, i'm imagining pushing like uh, uh, all the stuff like in an old sitcom you know the boss is coming for dinner and you're pushing everything in the in the house into, into the a closet, closet yeah and like yeah. you're uh-huh. standing back and pushing it that's yeah. what you're doing to these foods to turn them into these other foods you took a soybean made it a chicken nugget come yeah. on now yes come on now it's yes. too much the and bean at some is point the closet's gonna fly open while your boss is there and then he says, you don't get the promotion. Now, Cor, <laughs> you said, you know, when I reached out to you all in a tizzy, I said, I, said, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Perhaps, sir, would you ever be so kind? You know, and I'm um, asking you to do the pod. And, you know, you were like, let me think for a moment. There were a couple of things that I just was like, this will be a good jumping off point. Uh-huh. The first thing that I thought, I was like, wow, class act. You were like, I would like to think about it, but I'm responding to you now. So you, I don't leave you on red. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you were very yeah. conscious of the... Of the ask, right? Where you're like, I don't want to leave this person hanging. And that's very tender, very kind, very gentle. I try to be. I try to be. But Whereas I will get an email, <laughs> leave it in my inbox, like look at it, start sweating and be like, I have to make a decision about this. And then leave it in my inbox for one week, maybe more. Yes. Well, that would be an email. And if you had emailed me, I would have left it for days. And I assure you of that. However, you were sneaky and you hit me up on Instagram. And that shit says red. And I cannot do that to someone, you know? Mm, yeah. Fair. And, and and I said I had to think about it because I don't do podcasts or I don't actually do yeah. any kind of interview where I talk about my personal life mm-hmm. or anything outside the boundaries of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I, it's not even that I'm like opposed to doing it. It's just something I've <laughs> avoided. Uh, I just avoid it, you know? How come? Uh because I, I guess I avoid it because I'm, I'm sort of a firm believer in 
when being an actor that there's like there are benefits more benefits that come from mystery than come from knowing too much and we live in an age when people really want to know people Mm-hmm. And I understand that, but I, I think my job is easier when people are left uh, wondering and curious. Because what I do try to do is do a lot of different kinds of roles. Yeah. Um, and so the less people really sort of know about me or watch me speak or hear me speaking, I think the better. Wow. I mean, you're, me. you're right, though. Like, I get that. And I think there is, you know, there has been such a change. Like, I was just talking to Andy a couple of days ago how I was like ranting. Naturally, <laughs> the only way I know how to communicate. Um, but about how I was like, you know, someone had messaged me, and, and this is different, because but this is also the dance I deal with too as a comic, right? I'm a comic, but I also want to be an actor, and I'm constantly also telling my reps. I'm always like, send me out for drama. This idea, I guess my point being, I want to do different things. Yeah. But for the, my primary work, it is about people knowing you and feeling connected to you. 1,000%. Right? You have to do that as a comedian. And the thing is, you know, I, I'm just not interested in like being a host of something. I'm certainly not a comedian and I don't, I, I, I guess like, I, I don't want to necessarily get jobs because people uh, are hiring me to do me I sort of, you know, it's like, a, it's sort of like an old school, like I, I'm, I'm an actor. I want to like yeah. fall into something. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally get that. But there is now like, even just what we're asked of on social media, right? Like what people want is like access to your personal life. And I actually find that very strange in terms of, like, I follow my friends and I follow animal rescues. Okay, show me a dog doing its best. Okay, my ent- <laughs> you go to my, what is it called, the explore page? You go to my explore page, 80, 80% monkey videos, baby monkeys. <laughs> I, I don't, and this is actually very new. This happened to me. This is, uh, this is a crisis of identity. Really, in the past 12 months, something happened last spring where i started watching no maybe it was last fall it was a while it was a while ago i started watching like i just saw like some monkey videos maybe i liked a couple or something and now (laughs) they're fed to me but the thing is i find them to be like life xanax Mm -hmm. that's immediate hit of calm i'm on i'm on instagram i'm like why am i here why do i want to be here i go to my explore page i watch a monkey video and i'm like i'm done i'm putting it away (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mine is unlikely animal friends. That's what they, they show me. They show me like ducks hanging out with capybaras or whatever. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. Love that. And in the, and in this time of great uh, political distress Mm. of great uh, cultural consternation, I think that is a beautiful kind of video to watch. Oh yeah. yeah. We'll be walking through the wasteland of the United States, just watching, (laughs) you you know, a donkey (laughs) hanging out with a cat and be looking for it. Be like, well, I couldn't find food today. But at least I have this video. I know Wi-Fi still works. For some I know we've wi- Well, we need the Wi-Fi to make sure we're yelling at each other constantly, <laughs> even in the wasteland. That's all we can ask for. Corey, oh no, you were about to do something. Andy's making the hands of someone who had something to say. Oh, I just I was gonna say Ohio. Me, so I was gonna me, just jump in because I'm from too. Pennsylvania. So I get, so I get the Rust Belt. Okay, where where in Pennsylvania? Reading, Pennsylvania, pretzel capital. Is uh, it Wait, is that east? Yeah, it's halfway between Lancaster. Yeah, uh, Lancaster also a big, also a big pretzel producing <laughs> area. Not as, much as, not as much as Reading. <laughs> All right, the war Reading. is on. Don't I have away. I don't take away the only thing Reading has. It's either that or white power. <laughs> I do not care who wins this, but I, I, for you, for you, I hope it is Reading. 
But I, uh, I am I am curious, where in Ohio did you grow up? I'm from a suburb of Columbus. Uh, you know, Ohio is the land of soybeans and corn. I mean, it is where this fake product <laughs> is is born from. Uh, and I I am from a suburb that is sort of like, you know, I could get to downtown Columbus in maybe like 15 minutes, but I was five minutes from my best friend's horse boarding oh, wow. farm. Okay. Um, so yeah. Real in the middle. Real in the middle of like nowhere. Yeah. So it was sort of, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was quaint. Mm-hmm. It was, I would say, you know, we, it was a, it was a wide span actually our, our, from like lower socioeconomic levels, some government subsidized apartment housing to upper middle class. The, the suburb above us was like rich, mm-hmm. uh, but we were sort of like middle class. My parents, my mom's a nurse. My dad was a manual laborer, worked for natural gas, was like fully, you know, in the ground, mm-hmm. digging ditches. Uh, so that's my, that's like my very blue collar upbringing in Ohio. Uh, and both my parents are still married and they're alive and they're wonderful people. Oh, wow. That's so good uh, that they're like, they still like each other after all these years. Well, I didn't oh. say that. Okay, sure. Okay. Oh, no. I didn't, I didn't, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> depends on the day. Right. You know? Sure. After uh, all those years, depends on the yeah. day. It's, uh, it's a lot that. of years. So are they like the Lockhorns? I'm going to keep going with old references. To <laughs> you things. are giving old references. You know, the old comic of the, the couple that was like real, like every, it was just one panel and every caption was one of them, like basically saying the most monstrous thing about the other one. Anyone remember this? this no, is a, I don't. A normal answer. cartoon no, that's, comic I have, in every newspaper in 1987. <laughs> I have no idea what this what this comic <laughs> is, but also no, my parents are not like that. It is uh, my my dad is um, my dad is someone that I did not understand growing up. Uh, he has been he has been someone that I greatly admire now in my life, but I did not understand who he was or why he was the way he was until I was old enough to really sort of consider the way that life impacts you, you know? And how, when did you start therapy? (laughs) When did I, you know, okay. So I, I actually started therapy at the very end of 2020 for the first time. Whoa. Ever. Wow. Uh, I had wanted to many times in my life, but was uh, two things. One, I was, I was nervous. I was very intimidated. Uh, I was nervous to start because it's like, Oh God, what do you, you know, like once you, start that process mm-hmm. what's going to happen to you un- fully unravel before yeah. you can be put back together i really had this uh this fear that y- y- you know i would choose the wrong person and not know what i was getting myself into and this person would somehow like ruin me you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh or, or like i i would be unfurled um and then the other thing was like it's you know, someone's like, oh, there, there are psychologists, psychiatrists, different kinds of therapists. There are all of these different techniques. And it's just sort of like, you know, I, I was like, what what am I looking for? Yeah. I don't know what I, I don't even know what I need. So what am I looking for? What are these techniques? What is that? And it was at the end of 2020, which was, you know, just such a miserable year. And I spent three days, three nights. My uh, The woman whose home I was living in, she left over the Christmas holiday. And I was alone in her house, far away from my family mm-hmm. um, over Christmas for the, and it was the first time I'd been alone on Christmas. Oh, maybe ever. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely ever. Um, 
And so that was really crazy. And I decided that I, uh, this was maybe the time. And I, I was on the phone with a friend three nights in a row and she bless her, uh, helped me as I was like on psychology today.com reading mm-hmm. through every therapist's, yep. uh, profile yeah. and their bios and what they you know, what their specialties are and there's certain subgroups that they specialize in. And I was like, God, I mean, what do you like, what do you even do? Do you, do I find someone that's like me? Do I find someone who's like as far away? And I made a decision as I was looking through all that. I was like, you know what? I need to find someone who is very, very, very far away from who I am, I think. So that I'm like fully accountable to explain every part of my self and my life and my perspective. So um, I narrowed it down to these two older people, a man and a woman, um, who were, at least I was hoping, vastly overqualified to work with me. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm not going to do a psychiatrist because I wasn't seeking out like medication uh, for anything. So I was like, I, but I do want a psychologist. Like, I want a doctor. <laughs> I want someone who is who has like studied the depths of the mind <laughs> to let me know if there's any like esoteric mental disorder that I could possibly have. Um, and so I was like, we're going, we're going like big times. Uh, I, I, I ended up calling the woman first. Uh, she had a very impressive, uh, resume and educational background. And she was transatlantic. She like lived in New York and in the UK for a while. And I called and luckily I got her voicemail because her voicemail, she, had this remarkably proper sort of Julie Andrews-esque, but deeper quality to her voice. And I heard it and I was immediately like, that is not my therapist. That is not the voice of my external conscious. That's what that is not. And I hung up and I did not leave a voicemail. And I was like, well, I'm going to go with the guy. And I called this guy, we'll call him Rob. Uh, And he um, answered the phone and had this really lovely, calming, uh, clear voice and asked what he could do for me. And I started crying immediately. Wow. Whoa. Wow. On this you call. Were you were ready. I was like, you came yeah, I was really ready. I did. Yeah, fully. And, um, and uh, it was kind of this amazing initial interaction. <laughs> And then he realized how um, insane I was because he was like, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? And I said, okay, Rob, um, well, I've broken my life into four quadrants, uh, work, family, relation, like love relationships, and then friends and social life, et cetera. I said, and in each quadrant, I have like major questions or major objectives, or some stories that I just need to share that I've never told anyone or that I just need to get off my chest. Um, and then I said, I sort of just want to like work through each quadrant and, um, and like figure all of this out. And he was like, and you've never done this before. That's, <laughs> yeah, was that's like, amazingly say. rational I know. that you, you go in with this plan, having not but, had therapy before and being like, all right, I've I've written down in order these things that I need to deal with. As opposed to when I went to therapy, I'm like, uh, things are, I, I don't know how to even talk about emotions. <laughs> I'm like, how do I do, how do I do, uh, how do I do feelings? I mean, 
but this was my problem, right? I was like coming in with all of these ideas and plans and I was like going to control exactly like how this was going to work. And I was going to like start at the beginning and work through systematically, like all of these things that I feel like are my problems. And I would say for like the first six months I was doing this and I was planning every session. It was sort of like, okay, Rob, today we're solving this major crisis. You ready? (laughs) And I would sometimes like have, it's not that I would prepare a script. It was just like, I had figured out what I thought were the things that I needed to talk through or I decided that, oh, that like I think these are the main questions. If I can just get an like a straight, clear answer to these questions, oh I'll be God. good. Like I just need a pro to. I just need a doctor <laughs> to tell me that this is this is a yes or a no, and we'll like move on. And like, and I think it was. I kept checking in with him. I'm like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? <laughs> and he was like, Corey, it's just like there's no right way to do this. I'm like, well, there are definitely wrong ways. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like which side are we closer to? And eventually, I, I think it was like six months in where I decided I was like, okay, I do think this is working. However, I do think I also need to stop preparing and just like show up and surprise myself. And that's when the real good stuff started happening. <laughs> you know, so there were there were lessons learned just strictly in like the format of what I was willing to engage in. And he was very patient with me mm-hmm. and letting me figure that out for myself this is also but andy doesn't this give you a sense it's giving me that kind of good student energy where you're like oh. i finally decided i'm doing therapy and uh-huh. i'm gonna do it right and i'm gonna do uh-huh. this where like okay in a like and I, I felt this way too at times where you're like when do i graduate when do i get my certificate when do uh-huh. we get you know what i mean like okay i'm, mm-hmm. I'm putting in my four years and we're oh, yeah. a sign that i'm now healthy um is that something you do in other aspects of your life too this kind of like micromanaging i got a plan i'm on the move yeah yeah type of thing yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, was that part of the crisis? And actually, wait, hold on. Before I, I really ask that, I'm going to pitch you a film. It's called Three Nights. It is. <laughs> I'm writing it in our chat. You, <laughs> it is you, okay, uh, at home, uh, at your friend's house over Christmas. Uh, they're gone, you're alone, and you start to have this crisis that unravels over three days. Yeah. I don't have anything more information, but I'm just saying. I see it as a sad, risky business I'm just type saying, scenario. Sundance 2025. <laughs> I will be in my underwear. I was exactly, in my underwear. This is true. Exactly. Like you're in your underwear, but you're sobbing yeah. a little bit, but you're scrolling uh-huh. psychology today. Mm-hmm. But you're also, and like, my thing with psychology today, because I look at it a lot too, and I'm like in, you know, trying to find someone where you're just like, sometimes I'm like, I don't like that you have like a headshot. Like, I don't like that your picture's too good. You know what I mean? I want the sense mm. that you're too busy working. Why does my working. psychologist have a Getty picture? Exactly. I don't want anything watermarked, Tenny. I don't want your hair yeah. and makeup done. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, and I think the woman, and I should have recognized this, like, early on, she seemed like the type of woman that had, like, tapestries on her walls. You know, a lot of a lot of wooden trinkets from her journeys, which is fine. I have nothing yeah. wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with tchotchkes, but I was like, you know, this, I, I needed a, I ended up talking to a man. He was kind of exactly what I was afraid of and exactly what I needed sort of, um, you know, like, uh, you know, he had this, he had this large, um, oh, I say he had, because this is another part of the story, but I, I took a pause on therapy in July. So I did for like two and a half years and then took a pause. Um, but he had this great, uh, and I did all of it on zoom, despite the fact that he was in New York and I eventually came back to New York and we did do a session in person that was 
one of my least favorite sessions. I, I suddenly became so aware of every inch of my body as I was sitting in front of him. Cause I was like, you know, I was like, wait, this is a, this is a film audition. And now I think you're paying attention to like, whether my ankles are crossed or like, if, you know, like if my knee is bouncing or like, how am I sitting on this couch? How am I sitting on this couch? You're judging me based on how my body is. You know, I was like, I just, I, I could feel my entire body just like tensing. Cause I didn't want him to like, be able to decide anything about what I was saying based on my You're physical controlling presence. the narrative. Corey. I was controlling the narrative. And you know what? One of the first things that I said to him, it was a constant battle. Yes, because I do. I have a, it is a control problem. But one of the first things I said to him and it ended up being like the greatest practice for two and a half years. I was like, I fully, you know, we all we all sort of perform something or we, you know, tell certain amounts of truths and leave certain parts away. And I was like, I, I want to practice with you every week telling the like full truth of everything and holding myself accountable for like all of the anxiety and nervousness and embarrassment and humiliation that I'm going to experience doing that. And it's really amazing because even even with some of my closest friends, you know, I don't know that I ever, I allow myself to feel like true humiliation mm -hmm. by being so honest. And that's, that was like maybe the best part of that because it, you know, at the other, on the other side of that is learning how to have a lot of grace with yourself. Right. Because right. I think personal humiliation is, or at least for me, like worse than public sometimes you know people like laughing at you hmm. you know it's like yeah it can be like really embarrassing but to sort of like have you know to laugh at yourself or to like really be so humiliated by yourself or disappointed in yourself i feel like is such a more difficult thing to overcome do you mind if i ask like do you mean like a moral failing or just like I like uh, tripped on the sidewalk. I, yeah. No, no, no. Like moral, moral failings, you know, doing something that you're really ashamed of and not like fully addressing it for yourself or not, you know, I, I get that. I think for me, it's almost funny. I think it's a big part of why for me comedically, I do kind of bring, I'm like, this is the embarrassing thing. Or like, you're talking about those rants, a big part of the stuff I was posting yeah. was like, you know, I was coming to the camera, hair unkempt, natural being like, we all struggling, right? <laughs> And I and that was very important for me because I think I was someone who lived with a lot of shame and a lot of I talked about this a lot in the pod too, right? Like going to like rich, fancy white school on the Upper East Side. I was taught from a very early age of like, mind your fucking P's and Q's, you have to be perfect. Uh-huh. And then also then not fitting in, because I was like a chubby, dark skinned black girl. So then it was like, oh, I'm not even close to that. I had so much shame of just like being who I was that then it was like what it was to kind of put stuff out there. And have people not only say, oh, yeah, this is my thing, too, right? But also the simple fact that if you the ground is not going to fall out from underneath you, yeah. right? Because that's the fear. And when you kind of realize it won't, it really takes a lot of the pressure off your shoulders. Because you go, okay, it's, I might fuck up. And also, too, that doesn't mean people aren't going to, like, there are going to be people who are going to side-eye you and judge you. But then those people just go away, right? Like, those aren't the people. But realizing that like it's not the end of the world on a very base level performance aside i think it honestly saved my life like it keeps me sane to this day how would you how would you rank your level of sensitivity as a person <laughs> <laughs> he is cracking up because he, so sorry. he knows 
I am a very sensitive person. <laughs> okay. I am very <laughs> my um you know his this laughter is too much, Andrew. It's not even that it's not even that funny, Andrew. Cause Corey asked her just a real question, not knowing my psychosis. And I should be able to answer that question <laughs> without you laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's the a, deepest laugh i've had in a while but yes very very and like also very um you know i still want to be liked you know by by strangers and like if you're like uh-huh. i also assume anybody who's like um cool kind of a detached personality you know you meet people who like don't wear their hearts in their sleeve i assume they hate me immediately <gasps> you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Like, you're t- whereas like I'm much more like, hey, you want to talk about everything that made us sad this week? And it's like, nice to meet you. We're in a waiting room. By you know way, what I mean? <laughs> pitch for a podcast, everything that made you sad this week. Okay, Andy, you got a lot oh, of Oh, wow. Hi, viewership or listenership. <laughs> hi, hi. The numbers to the roof. So no, definitely. Wait, okay, wait. I, I want to ask a couple questions because I, I think I'm very curious how all of these things feed into your creative life because I knew that I know that like when I started going to therapy, when I started like really working on stuff, my creative life got better. I got better at, at being able to access things. I was a better writer afterwards. And I'm curious if you're able to, if but you, you were doing it before, honey. You've been accessing for years. But that's why I'm curious. So but that, that's why I'm I'm curious yeah. about like about what's because ha- it's not like it's not like you were. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like. Uh, it's not like you were a stone faced person before 2020, and then right. suddenly you know it's like you were a good actor prior right. to. I'm just I'm and curious. the range, honey. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's not that. But so it- I'm curious of like like <laughs> has how is it affected you in terms of the way that you act i i i think i uh i do think it's had an impact i would say that i am i like myself a lot more on the other side of those two and a half years um and i think you know i i I play i play a wide range of kinds of people but i often play people who are deeply tormented um, who have a rich emotional life um, based on like self-torment. And I think that the way that I would access that space beforehand was not sustainable. Mm. And not that it was dangerous, but, you know, we, you know, my ability to sort of call up emotion is something I'm I'm proud of. Like it's a skill set yeah. that I have as an actor that I'm proud of. Uh, without wasting people's time and um, and different people have different ways of getting there, accessing that. And I think mine just came from places that, you know, there was a real cost to doing it uh, that way. Um, and I, I, I always like for me, like in the work, I cannot do, I cannot do a, a role if I'm, if like the scene, the given circumstances of a character and that scene don't actually impact me. Uh, you know, so I actually just use the scene, but for me to have that, you know, that place, it's like, it does actually have to come from experience. And so it's like, you know, things remind you of things. I'm not like, I'm not like off in a corner, like mourning my dead grandmother and then doing a scene Mm -hmm. about, you know, someone who's suicidal. That's not like, like, but it comes, it's born from a place and those places have to be accessible. You have to, 
think about them and live from them. And, and so that's how I was doing it. I think, I think now I just, the sensitivity that I just naturally have that is part of me, I think I'm able to sort of just like, as a whole sort of live in that space and embrace that and be accessible to that without having to think of, you know, horrible things I'm ashamed of. Yes. yes. You don't have to conjure oh. your own darkness yeah. and rake yourself over the coals. Oh, that's so exactly. interesting. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. You can kind of just be in the moment and react to the person in the scene. Yeah. There's post- still like, th- yeah, there's still work. Like, you know, when I'm like preparing to do something and I know that there's a section that, you know, requires a certain vulnerability, like I do work ahead of time to make sure that that text that anytime I look at that text or read that text or, or, you know, I'll, I'll program myself basically so that there are trigger words in a thought or in a phrase where like, I know that word is going to do it to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I still do that ahead of time. I'm just doing it through a more gracious, probably healthy place. Uh-huh. The, uh-huh. the first time I was ever, uh, the first time I was working on a job like a big job with a therapist was doing transatlantic and that was such a game changer for me because he that that's another character even though he was a hero uh which is a rare thing that i (laughs) i have been able to do and i was playing this like good guy who is valiant and saving you know jewish refugees escaping nazi fascist terrorism you know, like this incredibly remarkable real life man, but he was a closeted. Well, he was married twice and had three kids. So I don't know what to call his sexuality, but he also had relationships with men. And while he was in France away from his then wife, and um, they maybe sort of had an open thing. He was uh, having this, having these affairs with, men but keeping them private so there's just like a lot of uh shame and torment going on there and also trying to you know protect himself uh because it was illegal um but dealing with that you know all of that with a therapist while shooting um and also dealing with the crises of filming something you know we were there for five or six months shooting and i you know, I had some trouble with some of the people I worked with, which is inevitable. There are 200 people on a yeah. film set and, you know, some people you just don't click with. And to be able to work through that on my own time on your own. Ah. Yep. and not on set was very <laughs> helpful uh, because yeah. this person tried it. They tried it. They really tried me. Oh, uh, wow. And I had Rob, good old Rob. Good old Rob. <laughs> You know, there were times where Rob said, I think you should just yell right now. I think you should just yell. And without missing a beat, I'm like, "Ah!" (laughs) you know, just absolutely hollering in my heart. No, it was just, it was just so helpful because, you know, it's like, it's a crazy job to put yourself, you know, for 12, 14, 16 hours a day, like on a knife's edge of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and agitation so that you're accessible and then add people to that mix who just like really could set you off. And it's like, it's, it's not even that this, something is wrong with that person. You just communicate right. in ways that do not complement each other. Yeah. And it's like that 
you know, when you hear about bad behavior on set, I just, I understand how that can happen. It's an agitated place that we're all, that we are have to work from. And it's really tough. And it was like a game changer for the first time to not have to stifle all of that, to be able to like, you know, be the bus, you pull up at the stop and whatever button they push for that, that bus, you know, lets out that air and it sinks a little bit to let those in the wheelchairs come on. You know, that's what I was doing on my Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Yes. Oh, my God. No, that's yep. that's so true. Yeah. Kneeling bus. You had the emotional state of a kneeling bus. Yeah. One thousand percent. Yes. Giving M79. OK, we're crossing. We're going to the museum, Sunny. Yes. We're crossing through the park and Final. we're just trying to stay alive. Do Definitely. you two... Do you two do um, individual therapy and couples therapy? Yes. We do. Yes. yes. Who do you have separate people for each one? Yes. Yes. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for um, sure. We each uh, have our own therapist, and then we have a couples therapist. Yeah, and yeah. our couples therapist—he's um, a—he's okay. somebody we've been seeing what, seven, eight years at this point. Yeah, something like that. So he's, you know, and he's someone who's really—it's good to have a shorthand with somebody. Whereas I've oh, been yeah. finding you. You know, you found your LA therapist. You've been seeing them a while. My, I'm like still on a journey. I'm seeing someone now, but it's definitely not permanent. It's almost like to kind of get over the hump as I go through like the longer process, right? Because these, like I had one lady, she went to Coachella, never heard from my ass again. I said, are you alive? Are you present? <laughs> yeah, for real. So she's what? Like, yeah. These, you know what? And this is my thing. I do feel like these LA therapists, they're here for vibes. They're not really here. No, 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 no. You need a dust. You need a doctor. You need a PhD. Thank you. I said this. Then I was like, but also too, because I'm also trying to get my medication situation sorted. So I do ideally want someone who does both. And so it's just been a while, but I'm like trying to find somebody. But I think that same thing you're saying, and I've been doing therapy for a long time, but even what you were saying, you know, back in the beginning of like, what's the right person? What's the right type? What are we doing? I'm not really worried about being unfurled. I say, honey, break it apart. I say, break it apart. I don't give a fuck, <laughs> but I am trying to figure out what will be, what will serve me the best, because especially as I get older, as I get a little like, there are things I want to do with my life and I'm sick of being held back. Like I'm kind of coming in with a set list. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's address this because I'm sick of this shit. But that's the, that's the question I had, Corey, were you going into romantic relationships with that same kind of good student energy? <laughs> romantic relationships. I was going into relationships with um, that's a really good question. I don't think so. I was going into romantic romantic relationships with absolute terror and oh. uh, and oh. uh, pre devastation. No, devastation. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Oh God, I don't think so. That I stopped. You know, one of the things in therapy, uh, like talking about romantic relationships, you know, he <laughs> kept saying to me, it was like, you know, we can talk about this over and over, but I can't help you until you're in one. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, I am a single person. I do very well single. I actually like being single, but there is like something internally that is like, you know, uh, animalistic where it's like, I do want to couple, I do want companionship, but I am a fiercely independent person and I move around a lot and I'm a bit of a lone wolf and I do enjoy life sort of like without complications and attachments. Mm. So 
I, I struggle with trying to figure out how to do both of those things well, uh, because relationships require a lot of work and consistency. And, and I am not someone that it takes a lot of work for me to offer up consistency to other people. And I'm very lucky that I have amazing friends in my life who understand that sometimes like I disappear for a little bit and then I come back with tons of love and attention. But I, you know, it's like this life, this career works so well for me because it's so project-based and I get a job and I fall into it and I disappear and I go and I make something. And then like, I have free time and suddenly I'm available and I'm around and like, I, you know, I've, I've found friends that love me for that and support me in that and that understand that, but that's really hard to ask that of a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've, I've, I've struggled really being able to, to do that successfully. Yeah. With a lot of your friendships, I was, I was going to ask too, if that's the same approach to the friendships, do you find the people you're friends with are the people you've known for years or do you still like meet people or like, you know, you're on a job and you're like, we're friends because you know how sometimes you can work a job and it's giving summer camp and then you're friends for two uh -huh. months and then it's like she's dead like <laughs> i don't know like we don't interact ever again i i, I really love people and i make friends easily uh, you know I'm a, I'm a social person i love meeting new people i i can get like um i can sort of get like really i can like fall in love with a friend mm -hmm. and want to get to know everything about this person and really like dive in hard and then it dissipates, but like it, it isn't a demonstration of how much I like that person. It's just sort of like this project mindset of like, I have like excavated and explored this beautiful person that I find really fascinating. And then it feels like a friendship is set that can like sustain and, and last. Uh, but I have, I would say my closest friends are my longest friends um at this point but i do meet new people often because of work but usually what ends up happening is like at a when i do a job there will be like one or two people that i'll really like become close mm -hmm. with but but yeah i i sort of i i and this was one of the things i asked in therapy i was like is something wrong with me that i'm like this or is this like is this a problematic behavior for people that i you know that i sort of like enjoy really diving into a friendship and then i sort of like cast off and like disappear. And I mean, not disappear. It's just like, I just, I am a tide of a human, you know? Uh, and I, but it's just, it is sort of the nature of my person, uh, you know, but people can feel disrespected by that. Well, I guess it's kind of like, well, it's interesting, right? Cause it's all to me, you can interpret it different ways of like, it's you going, I want to know everything. And then you learn everything. You go, okay, bye. <laughs> if, it, <laughs> I mean, if that's the vibe, then it's, but that's different than like, we've kind of gotten in, I feel close. And now I don't feel like it needs to be as tended. Right. And that's different. That's yeah. More like I, we're settled. We're comfortable. You know, I think that we're in a good place that doesn't need this like constant watering. Yeah, I do. I also think some of my friendships, well, my friendships definitely have shifted since therapy. Uh, and also, um, I recently in August, I uh, I stopped drinking okay. almost entirely, which has drastically impacted my social life yes. in the last. Yeah you know, almost half a year. So I'm also in a, a, and that was sort of like after stopping therapy, 
I just was really sick in August and I was starting back personal training in September. And I was like, oh, you know what? As I start this, I'm just going to stop drinking for a bit and like attend to my body. And then it just felt really good. And then I have just like continued doing that, but it's had a great impact on me socially. So that's also, I'm sort of learning how this Mm -hmm. is affecting. It's really shifted who I'm spending time with. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) So wait, if you're comfortable talking about it, how long was your longest relationship? Uh, Well, my longest relationship was a while ago and it was two years. Two years. Okay. Well, two years is a good run. Yeah, that's a nice run. That's a good run. I've spent a great amount of time not in relationships. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just, but, you know. but like that's good. Like I don't know. As you said, you're like you're if you're ha- if you are very comfortable and you thrive in your independence. I'm like, all right. You know what I mean? Like it's an interesting dance because do you ever find yourself, is this what I really want or is this what I really feel like I'm supposed to want? Yeah. That's the thing that I see a lot in I see a lot of people in society quote in society. <laughs> <laughs> but like we're just like I've been handed a script at like I, I popped out of my mom. Uh, I've been handed a script and I'm just going to follow the script for the rest of my life. And the script says, meet someone, have children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then they get to a point where they're like, wait, I mean, some of them get to the point where they're like, did I want to follow this script or did I want to read a different script or write my own script or whatever? And a lot of people don't get to that point. And I think once, but if you, <laughs> this metaphor is getting really, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Keep it's going. I'm really following it. Twisted. I'm wading in the water. Go ahead, honey. But if you uh but to when you start reading a different script or start writing your own script, you start to feel like, uh, what's happening? Like you there's a sense of dislocation because now you're doing something different from what you thought you were supposed to do. Does that make sense at all? It, it totally makes sense. I this was this was again another thing that I was working on in therapy because there's a feeling of I was, I was wanting to know from him. I'm like, is there something wrong with me that like, I do not want to commit to a traditional relationship at this point in my life. And I don't know that that's going to be forever, but it is like, I really love my life. Mm -hmm. Like I really love my life. I'm like, I, I'm not an unhappy person. There are times where I seek companionship, um, but I've not been successful at finding a kind of companionship that matches my needs because my needs are very specific and other people have decided along the way, uh, you know, I need you physically more present Mm -hmm. with me. You know, I, I went and filmed in France for six months. That was, it's a long time to be away. I didn't come back uh, because I was there working and I didn't want, to leave right um i i also dated someone this is before i was uh working in france i i dated i dated a french guy for a while and we did this long distance thing that was sort of great but i was the one that was like i actually you know i was like what what's the plan here are you moving here am i moving there, you know, this isn't gonna like, I don't think I want to go live in France right now, though. I probably could see myself doing it in the future, but I can't do it right now. And it doesn't make sense for you. So what are we actually doing? Like, what's the, what's the plan here? But that person is now like one, he, he remains one of my favorite people and we're 
very That's dear friends. That's interesting because I would have thought you would have loved a long distance because you're like, I'm going to do my yeah, thing. I'm going to holler right. at you later. Well, we'll it's really long. From now. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. Bad distance. It's very long. It's very long. Uh, That's true. That's uh, true. You're like, do I have time for a six-hour flight? I'll see you in. But yeah, long distance is kind of appealing to me. I, I I'm also someone. <laughs> this is maybe too much. This is maybe this is maybe psychotic behavior. But no, the idea of like having the idea of having an apartment where you have separate rooms. Yeah. And Love choose it. to be together. Yes. That's sort of my vibe. Maybe that's a little TMI, but that sounds like beautiful and romantic and out of like choice to me and i i find that to be like kind of sexy and that choice by the way could be seven nights a week sometimes right but right but like when i'm especially it's it really has so much to do with like my working patterns Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. uh what's happening in my body you know yeah 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 Yeah. i I would I, i would guess and tell me if this is inaccurate, but that it's very difficult, especially when you are like pulling up very vulnerable things like that has to leak into your social life or your romantic life too. when you when you're acting and you have to pull up certain right. stuff when you spend or if you're in hours. a yes or if you're or now that you've kind of like uh, changed the way that you act a little bit. Right. You're maybe you're not accessing your own personal emotions, but still you're in a scene where you are agitated. And you have to like now you're you're done and you're not not agitated anymore. But you well, it's it's not. Th- I mean, I would say it's like I can I can leave a uh, I can I can exit out of a specific sort of like emotional place. It's more that and I, and I think I think creative people will understand this. It's just like there are there are times when you know. And maybe even not creative people. I mean, I, I I assume that anyone that has like an intense job that really requires a lot of energy and is unpredictable, I, I would imagine that a lot of politicians experience this, you know, in great, you know, stressful situations. There are just times where you only have so much capacity. You know, you're you're putting a lot of focus and energy on something um, and you need that space it's like having another creative partner. The last person I was seeing was also creative and really understood that. And I understood that as well. So like when they were, you know, in a project and I was not, it was like, Oh, I'm here to support you and your needs right now because I fully understand that. So, you know, like that was kind of nice. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm, the way that I sort of like serve my work, I could like serve someone else in, in like working toward their work, you know, like, Oh, I want to help you be like comfortable and fed and attended to and well rested and like in the right mindset. So like that was sort of beautiful to me. It just wasn't the right person. Right. Uh, You know, there were other things, but like the, the nature of that relationship, which was sort of like deeply understanding of what it means to be a creative person who like, who loves their work so much and is devoted to like the, ex- the life experience of doing that work mm-hmm. was really nice. It's just there. I don't know that there are like a lot of people that live that right. way. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I only asked it because like, you know, of the specific kind of actor you are versus like, I don't know, we watch Reacher and there's not, there's not a okay. knock against Alan Richson, but like he is one kind of like, there's no emotion. 
he is just doing a thing and saying a line kind of campily sometimes. Oh, Reacher is camp. You got to watch. It's Reacher the campiest is show. camp. It's I'm lovely. Obsessed. I'm obsessed. It is fantastic. But like, I imagine Alan Richardson, like they say cut and he's just like, all right, <laughs> going back to my going back to my trailer yeah like not like with I'm nothing dead. just like, like and it's not a knock against and that's a specific kind of thing versus someone who Bro, what it's called upon you to do however i will say i think even when you're not because i think also comedy can be the same way because it's like very rarely is comedy calling on you to like dredge your depths or like stretch a muscle and by just but i think what it is to simply be around 150 to 250 people all day long and have to like there's that front vulnerability and then also the generalized like i don't know i just feel like there's a lot of performing even when you're not necessarily one thousand percent i actually don't think the comedy is that that different because i i have friends that are comedians and i've been around some comedians and i find it i i actually find comedians really fascinating because there is a um there it, you got to be really fast right so yeah. there's like this hyper hypersensitivity, like quick response. You're sort of like, you're just sometimes just like throwing, throwing things, you know, but it's like, that is a level of, um, there's a word. It's like, you're like living in your nerves. You know what I mean? Mm. But that it's a level of performance and accessibility for a comedian that I think is actually quite comp like complimentary and similar in that. I think it's just a different end of, end of the spectrum. I could see that. I could definitely see that. I think that there is, yeah, there is also that, that sense, I think sometimes where it's like the rhythm, we're saying too about the quickness and the rhythm and like, there's a way this needs to be delivered for it to land and like having that in your head, but keeping it loose, but feeling real, but hitting that in a way that's like so specific. It's just funny, but yeah, I think you're, yeah, you're right. You're right. Corey, when you're right, you're right. Okay. (laughs) I've been saying it when you're right, you're right. Wait, can we, can we take a quick break and answer at least one question? Yeah, let's Are help you... one person. Yeah. Okay. Let's help one person. All right. We'll be right back after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we're back with Corey Michael Smith here to help you handle your scandal. Today, Corey, you are robbed. Okay? The table okay. turned. You oh. are being a robbed yes. for someone. Oh boy. <laughs> you are someone's robbed. Good luck to this person. <laughs> 
This okay, so uh, uh, we're on a different computer, like I said before. We don't have access to our voicemail, so this comes to us from Gmail from B. They just say B. B. Okay, B. Naomi and Andy, I'm a fan of the pod and have debated sending an email for a long time. Wow, debate. My name is B, he, him, and I live in North Carolina just outside of the Research Triangle. I'm a 37-year-old educator and advocate in higher education. Like a lot of men in higher education, I'm queer, specifically more on the homoromantic slash gray sexual spectrum. Gray sexual spectrum? What does that I mean? I don't know about this. Yes, I looked that up and then but, probably forgot. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I think more. I think it's Naomi. You look at. I'm going to Google I, gray sexual spectrum because I. Yeah, I'm going to need a. I'm going to need a definition on this. Yeah. While dating has always been a challenge for me, as context, my job requires a lot of extroversion, and I'm by nature. This is. I got to say. I got to say, this was picked solely as it was the latest one that came in. Uh, once again, I am attuned to the universe. Yeah, Andy <clears throat> picks the question. Okay, this term isn't gray sexuality. What does it mean? This term is intentionally vague to accommodate the people who fall somewhere between asexual and sexual. They might experience sexual attraction once in a while, but largely don't. A gray sexual person may have a history of sexual experience that doesn't reflect their current sexual identity or sense of self. Interesting. So let's see. I love a complicated sexuality i gotta tell you i really appreciate it i honor it i understand it let's continue as context my job requires a lot of extroversion and i'm by nature more introverted mm -hmm. so at the end of the long week i'm tired and need to recharge my battery so i don't always have a full social battery throughout the week my dating challenges are made more complicated as i'm much more interested in building a romantic relationship with somebody than just looking for a quick one-time stint with a dude okay. a lot of queer male community is hypersexualized, so it's hard to find a guy who thinks like i do and shares my orientation i've had no luck with meeting people in person and the dating apps are worse see attached for example of the hot garbage that i'm way more frequently facing than not my text being the okay so Wow. Uh, so, okay. There was like a, a, a visual gonna, aid. We have a visual aid. Yeah, there was like a whole folder exchange. submitted. <laughs> In this, someone messages uh, our, uh, messages someone messages B, B uh, on a dating app and then at some point starts saying how they need $5,000. Oh my God. We love a scam. <laughs> the scammers are out. The scammers are out. Yes. Said, Let's fall in love. And what is your routing number? <laughs> <laughs> also, due to the cost of living and a low wage of being an educator, I need to live in a 20 to 30 minute away from more populated, busy areas of the triangle. So it makes it hard for guys to want to date due to living, quote, too far away. Oh, Lord. Any advice? Because at this point, it's a bit demoralizing as a lot of guys that I've been interested in and those that have shown interest in me are expressly looking for one night stands, Ugh. which I'm not looking for, which like many of the asexual spectrum often leads me to feeling a bit broken. Thanks in advance, B. Okay, this is Ooh. tough. B is out here saying, I'm not trying to do a one-nighter. I'm trying to really connect with people, but also feeling yeah. like, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time, one, to be dating, right? Because he's right. like, I'm dealing with these. Ed I'm educating all damn week. I got time for you. Yeah. I mean, when you, it sounds like, Corey, you wouldn't be in this situation meaning that because when you're working, you're all in, right? You're not necessarily trying to take that off time and put it into like, let's go see who's out and about, you know? Well, uh, hold on a second. <laughs> I, I, 
a man's a man has needs. Uh, uh, I, I let me not let me not cast myself as like a monastic actor here. I mean, I still have a life. Um, I still have a good time, but uh, but in terms of like being able to fully commit to like a romantic endeavor, certainly the beginning of one. It's a bit trying. I think B needs a cat. Okay, wow. All right. You know, I'll take this. Keep going. Keep going. Break it down. I think B needs a cat. Well, B needs a lot of things, but let's start with a cat. Uh, first of all, it <laughs> can take care of itself, but, um, uh, you know, it sounds like he needs another living creature in his um, home, which is what what my acupuncturist, uh, my old acupuncturist, uh, you, you know you're a New Yorker or a little bougie when you say my acupuncturist. <laughs> Uh, we got some tension in this body. Um, my acupuncturist for a while every week would say, you're going to get a cat. I was like, Leah, I'm actually allergic. I'm not going to get a cat. Almost adopted a cat about, it took about seven weeks of her saying that to me every week. And there I was at the ASPCA. Oh. <laughs> uh, didn't happen though. Um, back to B. Uh, <laughs> this is really complicated and I do feel for this person. I, um, I wonder I, I really would need to see what the profile looks like on some of these hmm. apps because I do feel like if there is, there have to be other people like this out there or other people who are not just looking for one night stands. And I feel like if that's made clear in a way that is, um, you know, positive and appealing uh, that could be helpful. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little naive. No, I know here, what you're but, saying. Uh, I guess what you're saying too is like, okay, are you presenting this as looking for long term love? Because that can yeah, be pressure, and that could. That's kind of exactly what I'm saying. Worried. That's what I'm saying because no, no offense to B, but I do work with language here. You know uh, that the way that he has written about it has a weight. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. To this, which I I have some sympathy for, but um, it does sound uh, coming from a place of hopelessness rather than like assuredness that you're going to find this with, you know, having a little patience about this thing. Because he does seem it's very specific what's going on here, and he does seem very clear on what he wants and needs. And so those are all good signs. I think patience is going to be really helpful here. And I think a clarity of communication of your needs without offering any burden or apologizing about it to anyone, but just being like, hey, if that's not your thing, totally fine. But this is what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and hey, you know, I know you want a one night stand. This ain't going to work. But if you have some friends that are also gray sexuals, right, right, tell them, right. tell them oh. old B over here is, <laughs> is available. Yeah. Uh, you, are there apps where that, that are a little more, a little more focused. varied? Or oh. I was going to say like, we're like the drop down, again, the I've drop never, down I, menu. I, I don't know what it is. I've never, Dave and I were together before any apps existed. So I don't really know what they are like. Yeah. Um, but is there like when you ch- when you make your profile, is there a drop down menu? It just has like very kind of like. Are there ones that have more varied that might have gray sexual in there, or right. asexual, or a romantic, or something like that? I think someone I think someone has written us before to say that there are actual apps that well, are more there are, focused. But, but see, this is this is what I'm thinking though. B is you know, he has said you know this is a bit demoralizing. 
I don't, you know, this is complicated. I have challenges. And this speaks to what you were just saying, Corey, in terms of like sounding like, are you really in the mood to date B? This kind of goes back to what we were saying before of like, are you just feeling like I want, I should have companionship or I want something versus, you know, I think the key to dating is one, it's got to be somewhat fun for you because it is just a process. And so like, if you don't have the energy for that, then maybe it's just not in the cards right now. You know, maybe you revisit this in three to six months. I don't know if your job kind of ebbs maybe in the summers, right? When you're kind of not in the academia moment, maybe that's when you do your dating and have fun. And or like, take a sabbatical for a year and, and ho- just do it. Just go dating. Take a dating sabbatical. You're not going to write. Right. You're not going to write a book. <laughs> exactly. You're just, just going to date people. one year. The chair of your department's going to be like, wait, why? Why are you doing this? You're like, uh, this is my time. Bezos, uh, this is eventually my time. I'll write a book on this. Yeah, that's the ticket. But then also, I think too, you know, as someone, you're like, well, I'm not looking to hook up. So then it's more like, is this more of the friend search with the opportunity for the friendship to maybe develop into something more over time, right? Instead of think, looking on the hookup app. Yeah, I think the apps are maybe not the way to go. But I, I've never used like a, a dating. App. I'm a I'm a really big believer in like getting out there and meeting people. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that that's like kind of priceless. The experience. How does that of, change as you become more famous? Because I bet people are coming up to you, then you got to be able to suss them out to make sure they're not cray cray banana. You know what's really wild? Actually, I uh, I I feel like I don't I don't know I don't know if I I look really different in real life. Different roles. I look really different. It is, I, it's not that burdensome. Okay. Uh, and I meet plenty of people who have absolutely no clue. And I do prefer that. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really very helpful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cause I'm always like, that so, could be weird. Like, it's like, cause you never know. You're like, are you, do you see your own life as a role you have to <laughs> sink into? This whole thing is a performance. <laughs> this is all for fun. Nothing I've said here is true. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think B also my other question, you know, something B you talk about how it's difficult, but what I want to know is like what's your friendship life life like? You know, are there Yeah, it sounds like he doesn't have a lot of friends. But see, I'm God, am I ripping B apart? Rob no, would not. never do this to me. I wouldn't. <laughs> Rob never would be patient. Do. Rob would be patient. Rob yeah. would say, "Okay, let's go through your plan for this week's session." And then Rob was saying, "As you have your PowerPoint set up, <laughs> and you're like quadrant two B." And then Rob says, "All right, Corey," um, but he hasn't mentioned he hasn't mentioned his social life. And so I think my question, and that's to me, is like that's the next step too. Is like, or not the next step, the first step of sort of like, who are your friends when you do have the energy to be social? Are you actually meeting up? Or are you staying in the house? Um, where you live, you say, like, outside of the research triangle, which is, like, those universities in North Carolina, where I'm like, I don't know the layout. You know, you're talking to three people who are, like, New Yorkers, where I'm like, can you take a subway? Can you take a bus? 20 to 30 minutes doesn't seem like the end of the world, depending on how it's, it's laid out. Naomi, you would not take – most people would not take a subway. They would not – like, if, if they lived in Inwood – and Andy, I was hooking up with bitches in Ditmas Park, living in Harlem. Okay, I was taking a yeah, cute train. I, 
I actually don't have a lot of patience for this argument. I will say it's it's a little different in LA. LA is so vast that truly, like you living on the east siding at east side and dating someone like Marina Del Rey is just that's sure. actually not going to work out. Uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. But, but like I like when I lived in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, if okay, let's say I lived at home. Let, let's pretend like you know a twenty minute drive is not a big deal. I would say down four twenty two. <laughs> okay. That way. That's not even half of this podcast. You know, Thank you. that's not, be, not if even. It, B, if you are listening to this podcast regularly, and you probably have one, maybe two days a week that you're going to be seeing this person that you're getting to know. Yeah. That is you right there. That's your car ride. You that's know? your round yeah. trip. That's your round trip. I think that's absolutely. Round trip. Yeah. Uh, I think B is more talking about someone else thinking it's too far away, though. Well, well B B is going to put some miles on that. <laughs> it, if the person's worth it, exactly. If the person's worth it, you put the miles. But I also think, but also the person who's worth it is not going to think it's too far away. Because to me, it's like Amen. when you live in a driving area, people drive 20 to 30 minutes all the time. People drive in 30 minutes to hit up the Walmart. You know what I mean? Let alone for like someone they like. So I think, you know, what it sounds like you have listed to us all the reasons why it won't work. And I'm concerned that that is the same thinking and approach you have when you're meeting somebody. It's like, don't- I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw my mother under a bus right here publicly. Um, wow, she'll probably okay. never listen to this, but uh, so I'm just giving <laughs> a forewarning for this. It's not that bad, but I will say um, they, they ended up moving from where they raised us like 20, 30 minutes to a different part of Columbus. And it was, and my mother was very depressed there, and she complained all the time about how it was so so far away from her friends. It was so far away from her friends, and and she would say that to me. And at this point in my life, you know, I was living in Washington Heights, and like, you know, I, I remember at one point I had a job in Parsloe South. Wow. wow. And I was like, I'm like, you're complaining because you have to drive 20, 30 minutes to see one of your friends. Like, I'm I'm trying to pay rent. I'm trying to make a living. I'm trying to feed myself and I'm literally doing anything I can. Uh, and then now my parents have moved to rural Ohio because they're both retired to this beautiful lake. And, um, and they're an hour away from their friends, but she loves it there. And she loves this house. She's very happy there. And so now it's twice the distance, but she's not depressed because she likes this place better. She likes where she is. She likes her life. And suddenly driving an hour from rural Ohio to the big city, to Columbus, to see friends and to make a thing out of it is an adventure and it's fun. Right. So it's like, that is simply a mindset change. That's so, you know, when yeah. I, when you're thinking like, 20, 30 minutes to go and see someone who gives you a lot of joy and mm. energy and like the companion, the kind of companionship that you're looking for. Like right. that's a, that's actually not a big deal. You're right. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. And then also too, in the early days, but until you know, you know, if they're bringing you joy yet, there's gotta be something 15 minutes where you each make the same amount, you know, the same oh, yeah. level trip where it's like, okay, I can't get all the way there, but like, there's a cute coffee place right here. And mm -hmm. a dirty motel. <gasps> love that, <laughs> Andy. I love that. <laughs> you say love it. And I say, that is not B. B no, is that's not an adventure. <laughs> that is not B. That is not, that's maybe not B. Though, that's C. It, that's C, but, not B. But that okay, is, that's, that's C a gray. Right now. That's, C. <laughs> that's gray, though. That's gray. That's in the spectrum. You that, know, that is. is He's not fully said, A. Hold on, He's I didn't gray. say what had to happen. 
at the motel. I just said a dirty motel. I know, but you it being there, dirty, like it being dirty, I'm already off. I'm already off to the fact that it's dirty because you can't even be comfortable. I'm yeah, did you guys see? Did you did you see the um? Did you see the uh, limited series with Elizabeth Olsen? I'm blanking on the name right now, but where she has the affair, it's based on the real person. She's like meeting up with this other guy I know in you're hotels. Talking about Jesse Clemens. I know what you're talking about. Love yes. and death. Love and death. They were meeting up in hotels. And one of the things that they said, you know, sometimes they didn't even touch each other. Sometimes she just packed a lunch. They got that dirty old hotel room. She packed a lunch. She made fresh cookies. And they sat there and talked for hours because they were just connecting. They just needed to connect. I think that's beautiful. You know what? You know what? That is beautiful. Elizabeth Olsen is a murderer in that, correct? (laughs) But. But. She was attacked. We all saw it. But. Okay, I'll say this. I'll say this. Even a murderer is right twice a day. Twice? Just twice a day? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Corey says, wait a minute. Corey says, oh, what, is, what are the occasions? <laughs> when it comes to uh, food discussions? Well, I was going to say when you're baking the cookies. I said, look, food di- if you're baking some good cookies, I might let you murder. It depends on who you're murdering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If only Dexter had been a good chef. That's true. We would, we, would have, we would have allowed it. We would have allowed it. It would have been okay. Think about that. The Bay mm-hmm. about Area that. Butcher would not. Don't have. start talking Dexter specifics. Corey. <laughs> Corey. 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 This was beautiful. Thank you. This was beautiful. Was it? Thank you. Yes. Was it? Did it? Did it go too? Did it go too low? Too deep at first? No. No. Okay. How do you? What, how, this. Oh yeah. Let's unpack. Yeah. How do you feel? I don't really know. <laughs> Well, I'm trying not to. Is. I'm trying not to think about it too much. I think you shouldn't. I also think I'm gonna tell you right now. Don't you DM me later and tell me to delete the whole thing. No, okay. no, 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 no. I, I, I will committed. not do that. I'm committed to it. I, I, I'm, I'm not going back on that. <laughs> no, That's I think this possible. is no, Corey. Look, as you said up top, as we say every week, open your hearts, loosen your butts. Okay, and my I butts loose. You, thank right you. at the at this moment. At the moment, it's loose. You yeah. gotta run. You gotta run. You gotta get off the Zoom. <laughs> but uh, we just, you know, we so appreciate you. We're such big fans and think you were just like, you know, so talented, so good. And just, you know, we're honored to have you here. That's really nice. Thank you for the invitation. It's nice to spend some time with you, Andy. Naomi, we've never met before, but I'm familiar with your work and I'm a fan. So it was this nice to spend some time with you. This is the start of us. We're going to excavate. We're going to go deep. We're going to get too close. And then we won't talk for a year. I love <laughs> That's it. That's the journey I want to go on. <laughs> I've really revealed too much. <laughs> All right, you guys. We'll We'll see see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 